Everybody's working. With that time jersey. I like to think that Time Czars always does a pretty good job here of giving you lots of different perspectives on a given game from the Kansas City Chiefs, but today it's even more so because Nate Taylor always in the press box, I'm always at the studio watching on the broadcast, but this week Seth Kaiser was in the stadium watching the game with his own eyes and he had better seats than Jordan Love's mom. So we're going to have plenty to talk about here on this edition of Time Czars. I'm Joshua Briscoe. It's Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser here as well. Guys, uh, you, we all got to see each other. We got to eat Joe's together this weekend. Yeah. And the Chiefs won a football game in, mm-hmm. you know, very normal fashion. Scoring, hold on, checks notes, 13 points. Gosh. And it still wasn't like a particularly close game, even yeah. though they only scored 13 points. The whole time during throughout, like, the entire second half or even late first half, I kept saying to to my sister, shout out Hope, who road tripped with me. Um, shout out my friend Scott for hooking us up with better tickets than Jordan Love's mom, which mm. is also true of literally every human. <laughs> who, people who snuck into Arrowhead. People at the sporting game had better seats. Yeah. Yep. It was, oh, that was so bad. But um, we kept saying to each other, man, if they would just score like even a field goal and make it 16 nothing, or one more touchdown, this game would be so much more relaxing because I, I had no doubt in my mind, like once we got to midway through the third quarter, the game was over in my mind. I was like, there's no way Jordan Love is is scoring two touchdowns. It's not <laughs> going to happen. Spagnola was having the time of his life. <laughs> it's like, you know what we're going to do? Well, we're going to blitz this down. And on the next down, we're going to send more than four guys. And then after that, we're going to play like, you, you ever play Madden and do engage eight guys? <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Like when they did the game plan, he just played that scene from Remember the Titans. You blitz all night. <laughs> just like... It was so funny, but like when that's, I just watched snap after snap and every time you could like see Jordan Love like, oh no, and it, oh, it was great. Yeah, it's so. it's amazing that you mentioned the, remember the Titans coach because uh, Harold Coots from Fox 4 basically put out the gif of it like during the middle of the game. And so it's, it really is a perfect, a, a perfect meme of just, hey boys. I don't even care. That's all pro out there. Hell, you blitz him too. <laughs> yep, we don't. I don't care. Let's bring in an extra guy and blitz. Hey, hey, Orlando Brown, you want to play defense? We're going to put you a middle linebacker and blitz you just to see what happens. It was it was hilarious and awesome. And you can hear in my voice, Arrowhead was just rocking. Um, it was It was good stuff, man. It was a really fun game. What time did you get home last night, Seth? Uh, about four fifteen. So we, so Hope and I, um, we 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 road tripped it. Hope's cheered for the Chiefs just as long as I have. Became a fan during the Montana era. Yeah, uh, she baby. Prob- she's probably more of a fan than I am at this point, just because you know doing what we do tends to erase fanhood a little. Like even if you hang on to a lot of it, is by um, do, do you mean by doing what we do? Do you mean watching the Chiefs play football this year? It just <laughs> sort of sucked the life out of you because I get it. It's stressful. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, but so we we left Minnesota, or so I, I'll phrase it this way: we arrived. Arrived in Kansas City at about seven when we met with you guys at Joe's, which mm-hmm. was just an awesome meal, um, or two meals at once if you're me. And yeah, was, two uh, meals for like a confident eater. 
Like yeah. you went hard. <laughs> I regret nothing. No, you um, And so we we got there at seven, and by seven p.m. we were about twenty minutes north of Kansas City. 15, 20 minutes north. We got out of the parking lot like fast. It was it oh, was no. impressive. Guys, we're, um, we're Seth is one of the parents in the progressive commercial now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we're made not, really good. Pro- you know what? We're not going to talk I, about parking, okay? No <laughs> more <laughs> discussions about parking. But if you leave in the saying, third quarter, we can park by the I'm exit. Just, I'm just saying we made really good time. That's and I'm all. Happy for you. So we we were in Kansas City for almost exactly 24 hours, and then we just drove all the way back. And yeah, and so I'm tired. I'm gonna undoubtedly say something during this episode yep. that there's gonna be like five seconds of silence, and then I'm gonna say, uh, Kent, can you please? <laughs> Please take that out. <laughs> That's what I wanted to tease just for everyone of like, listen, I mean, always, I, I would always say that you should stick through to the end because you never know where, where Nate's going to end the show. But today, Seth is a level of tired where we just spent the first like 10 minutes on our call here um, just listening to Seth talk about Eminem. And that that's basically where we started mm-hmm. just sort of our chat today. It's been great. Look, who 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 is more entertaining? Carson Wentz when he's fra- you know, f- you know, fragile and very uh, frenzied when he yes. feels intense pressure. Uh, is it even Matthew Stafford who's just like, <laughs> this could end in a two point play? Ah, I just throw it to the other guy immediately. <laughs> or I'm not gonna check it down. Hell, I'll throw the out. But <laughs> two seconds too late. Oh, it's a fix. It's Or is it Seth Kaiser on very little sleep on the emotions of a exhilarating but not totally, like, comfortable win and a live microphone near his mouth? Yeah, there's anything could happen. Yeah. We're we're just not sure. So it's going to be an exciting time. I, I, I really do mean it when I say I felt comfortable pretty much throughout that game. Like after the first drive and after the know. first I couple drives. Da- Daniel Sorensen, come on now. I was come just, on now. Oh everybody, was, everybody was you, Seth, until everybody on that team. It was such a good defensive game. They almost had a shutout. <laughs> Yep. They were they they should have pitched a shutout. I mean like and cool things happened in the game. They blocked a field goal. Mm-hmm. That never happens. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. The muff punt thing which was just the most hilarious play. Um shout out to the gal who was sitting in front of me to the left who would just like argued with me that the foot foot didn't touch it. Didn't touch it. That was a stupid wasted challenge. <laughs> and I was just like because I, I, I was, you know, just like, oh, look at that. Challenge it. Throw the flag. Ah! You know, and I apparently turned into Nate during games. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, okay. And she like turns around and like, not mad, but like, that didn't touch him. And I was like, oh, okay. well, excuse <laughs> me. I'm sorry that I talked. And uh, no, I think I said something. They were like, yeah, but I said my opinion loudly, so I'm right. That's funny. <laughs> um, really but it was, it was a cool game. And so I, it was comfortable just because it was so clear Jordan Love was not ready for the Steve Spagnolo experience. That's tough on young quarterbacks who aren't like Justin Herbert playing unexpectedly well. 
mm-hmm. right? It's just like you snap the ball and there's like eight dudes coming <laughs> after you. And you're like, holy crap. You know, I mean, it was so it was. Yeah. But no, Sorensen, here, here's my hot take on Sorensen. I'm not even mad at Dan Sorensen anymore. And and I had people on Twitter get really upset with me about this. But I mean, what's he supposed to do? Hey, Dan, get in there. Nah, coach. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny. Like if he if he pulled, hey, we're gonna do another remember the Titans poll. Yep. If he pulled a whatever that say, put Petey in. He's better. I can't play with these guys. Like if Sorensen came up and said, coach. Look, coach. I, I, Coach. I can, I could play. Oh man, I can't remember where he went to college. Like, it would have been a great heavy, joke. Heavy breathing too. <sighs> <laughs> you know, the, this ain't the Mountain West, Coach. Yeah, I can't play with these. I can play with Mountain West guys. I can't play with these guys. Put in Armani. He's better. And, <laughs> It'd be and nice. Be, it, look, yeah. Look, all I'm the asking, bar. all I'm asking, Steve Spagnuolo, is to just like. And this is not really a, a true criticism. This is mostly for comedic purposes. But it'd be nice if, um, as I wrote The Athletic, hey, they had their best 11 guys on the field on defense for the first time all year. Healthy, productive, like knowing the scheme and having very little like miscommunication on, on you know, pre-snap stuff. Um, but what is Armani Watts not doing in practice? Like, what, I, like, dude, I'm like, so like, What curious. is Armani Watts not do? By the way, he played in the opener against Cleveland, and I thought did an admirable job, given he had limited snaps as the third safety because obviously Tyron Matthew was out after he tested positive for COVID. So again, what? I mean, Armani Watts, very good player on special teams. What? What? What does he have to do in practice, coach? And what does Dan Sorgen have to do? Armani what? Watson, Dorian O'Daniel must have spent the last three years committing war crimes in the offseason. Like, that's the only explanation. <laughs> they're, they're, they're renting four cars a month and crashing them all. That's, and the Chiefs have just kept it quieter because they don't want to remove the special teams. Right, because Dave Tobe has a vice grip on this roster. He's just like you take Dorian O'Daniel and Monty Watts. Like, coach, they they just walk around and they just they don't even kick puppies. They just go up. They go to puppy shelters and they just say <laughs> you're all ugly and you're never going to get adopted. It's like that, those are bad people, coach. I also they got special teams, man. They got they got speed on the outside. All right, all right coach. I here's the thing with with like say that touchdown. Like you talk about the idea of say Armani Watts, right? I love Watts, that we're right? starting here. I yep. love that we she's even <laughs> gave up seven points, and we're like, let's talk about Daniel Sorensen. Well, and this, then I, and this guy. Well, we talked about the blitzing. That was fun, and it yeah. was fun. And and hey, we're gonna talk about pressure, right? Because Melvin Ingram, who by the way, I completely forgot he had the number twenty four. And so I was looking at the sideline, and I was like, "That is the biggest freaking cornerback I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> like, and I was—I sat there like with my head cocked, like a confused dog, like just staring at him, just like that. What did Dar- what did Darrell Reeves do in the offseason? <laughs> yeah, like, I think that's Jordan it, Lucas's number. Is he back and took the Captain America serum? Yeah, and it was just like, man, and it's not like he looked like fat or something. Like that dude is jacked. There's no way he's fast. How is that guy not on the? field like we've we've got this corner that uh, runs a 4 4 40 and weighs 280 pounds you know it's just like but anyway we'll talk about him i'm sure but the swords the thing here's here's my question with with the particular play that he gave up a touchdown on they were in a shocking turn of events blitzing and mm-hmm. they knew 
that Sorensen was going to be in man coverage on a receiver. And it's just like, what? Why? Like what? What? You know, well, we don't think Armani Watts knows the scheme. The scheme cover that dude. <laughs> like that's not complicated. That's just like, hey, this is a wide receiver. You're going to be at a bit of a mismatch. Just try not to get destroyed because wow. we're blitzing. And that's all you have to do is be somewhat in position. Love threw up a prayer on that play. And if it weren't for the fact that Sorensen had gotten beat like three times already on the route, he could have turned, looked up, and said, "Oh, hey, look, the ball." And I. Again, it was a great defensive performance, but that play it just drove me insane because you could have put literally – they could have pulled an NFL player from another team that day with no practice, thrown pads on at that point in the game, and said, hey, you just need to cover this dude, and he would have been like, oh, yeah, well, I can do that. <laughs> There's no need to know anything about the scheme. It's cover that dude. It's, 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 it's seven-year-old flag football. And so why, why would you put him out there? Like I'm, 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 I'm Terry Crews from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> why? It just drives me crazy. I, I just Sorry. Wanna, I, I just <sighs> want to, I know we're going to get to more <laughs> like good lighter topics. I just want to acknowledge <laughs> quietly that, yes, the Chiefs could have pitched a shutout. Yes, Daniel Sorensen could have at least pushed. <laughs> The man out out of bounds. But the last two times the Chiefs defense has surrendered a touchdown. Oh my gosh. Daniel Sorensen has been the guy who's who's was responsible of covering the, the man who caught the ball and traveled it into the end zone. <laughs> I mean, you, you, when you have Mina Kimes drafting pictures of snipers and making jokes about people finding Dan Sorensen on the defense, it's bad. More like, hey, Seth, more like mean uh, Kimes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, you're not tired enough for that to be funny? Damn, thought it was worth a shot. I thought it was funny. <laughs> okay. No, Nate, that was, Nate won't even so acknowledge accurate. it. Nate's it's just going to say something else. Ugh. Yeah, it's bad. No, he's it's it's terrible. Every time. Every single time. It was fourth and five. Just anything. Literally any just kick him. Just, <laughs> just wrap just wrap your arms around him at the line of scrimmage. A penalty would have been better. Had he <laughs> tackled him with the ball in the air. Had he literally drop kicked him in the groin, it would have been a better play. At some point this becomes cyberbullying, right? Uh, That's fair. <laughs> uh, I wanted to give you guys the number on this because you you both mentioned it several times here. Um, Benjamin Solak tweeted this out, citing Pro Football Focus on the numbers that Spags blitzed Jordan Love on twenty four of forty seven dropbacks. That's just a hair over fifty percent, fifty one point one to be precise. That's crazy. That's such a high number. And it's so mean. Like it's so like, oh, this guy obviously can't handle this. And well. then imagine, imagine being Jordan Love, and then half the time being like, "Oh, cool. Oh, all right. No one's coming. No one's coming to kill me right now. You know, they're not sending eight guys. Let me just look downfield, and everybody's covered." Well, yeah. All right. Or, or yeah, my shout first out to the covered. coverage. The guy's not named Dan. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, it's just the truth. I mean, I, how many times did they try to throw like a go or something to Adams, who was a really good football player yeah and just charvarius ward and Jerry sneed were like nah 
Yeah, we're good. We're good. We'll take three, actually. <laughs> Honestly, they should have had like three more picks. Now, because- a couple of those were definitely on balls that Aaron Rodgers would have thrown better, more accurately. But it's like a good. Let's talk about some of the good stuff on the defense. Yeah, like because because there is a lot of that. Let me. I'll tell you the one thing I said on the radio yesterday, and then I'll let you. I want you guys to to tell me how you're feeling. But the one thing that I do want to put out there, because we are absolutely going to say at some point, or I'll just say it right now, if Aaron Rodgers is playing this game, not only do the Packers not score seven points, they'll score more than that, would be my theory. Um, I think the Packers probably win that game, if not in a Chiefs-Bills or Chiefs-Titans fashion, in a pretty convincing fashion, it would be my hunch, at least by the version of the offense that we saw out there. Regardless, offense would have been a lot better for Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers playing out there. That is all, I think, Pretty clearly true, or, you know, more or less. Also, it is not Steve Spagnuolo's fault, or Legarius Sneed's fault, or Chris Jones, or Frank Clark, or Melvin Ingram, or anyone on that defensive side. It is not their fault that Aaron Rodgers was unvaccinated and not playing. Like, they got Jordan Love, and they handled him. And, and as you mentioned, one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in football. A very talented backfield. A really good offensive unit. They didn't have Aaron Rodgers, but that, the defense should not apologize for that because they did an excellent job handling a quarterback uh, that was in front of them and handled him better than they did to Taylor Heineke or anyone else they've played this year. Yeah. I I mean, I get the sense that you can't control, obviously, what the opponent has to offer to you. You can only adjust a, accordingly. Um, I think the Chiefs coaching staff defensively, uh, guys like Dave Merritt, Sam Madison, Brendan Daly, uh, obviously Spagnolo, even Matt House, because he had his three best linebackers on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, they all deserve credit because I thought they adjusted very quickly to what the Packers were trying to do. And then um, the players themselves, primarily the linebackers and even the top four pass rush, which I know we'll get into. And then the secondary pass rush players, like they didn't give up a splash play to AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones. And I thought that was immense in terms of not only applying pressure on Jordan Laurel, but keeping the pressure there. And then everything else can sort of figure itself out from that move, you know, from that from that point forward. Um, especially once the Chiefs got at least a 10 point lead so that, you know, you were you were dictating some of the terms to the Packers offense um, in a way that was not favorable to their quarterback. And the last thing I'll mention is Andy Reid today on Monday said that uh, that was Legereus Sneed's best game. And this was the Legereus Sneed that I thought I was watching in training camp and through the preseason. It's been an interesting road for him, um, but I thought he has the potential to be an all pro and he sort of proved it against an all pro receiver and going into account the film study and the idea of um, he's starting to play the game with both athleticism and smarts. And that should really bode well for the chief secondary. What do you think, Seth? I agree with all of that. I think that was some really good analysis by my friend, (laughs) Nate. I'm going to be honest. That was like, yeah, I, I'm curious, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers would have played, you know, they would have played Rodgers very differently. I would have really liked to have seen, and something that I'm going to be looking at um, is how the line did specifically when they didn't 
blitz, which is not a ton of snaps. And then obviously, you know, there's a difference between like a, a first and 10 play action drop back versus, you know, a third and five drop back or a third and 10 drop back. But I thought it looked like the defense actually did a, it, they did a good job generating pressure against a really good offensive line. Um, even when they weren't blitzing. And I thought that was just something worth, you know, it's just an interesting thing, like, because the, the things that you try to pull out of a game like this when you've got, like, a, a star quarterback missing, mm. you know, it doesn't really tell us that much that Spagnolo's really good at picking apart quarterbacks who can't quite figure out his blitz scheme. Well, no, we knew that already, right? Mm-hmm. That's the reason they, like... <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Excuse me, I'm dying. That's sorry. That's a, that's an Arrowhead phlegm right that's there. That's an Arrowhead phlegm right there. Made it all the um, way back to Minnesota. We we knew that already. Like Derek Carr struggled against Spagnolo for a bit, and then once they started figuring out the protections, they started to pick it apart. Like we've known that. So the thing to look at is like stuff that uh, that that might have some maybe future value. And Sneed playing so well, and Ward, who deserves a shout out, playing mm-hmm. so well. Um. That's interesting. You know, those two in Fenton, those are those are guys that you can like you can throw out there against good receiving groups. And Adams had to work for everything he got for the most part. Um and so those are those that and then the 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 pass rush getting some pressure with four because love for everything else, he got out of a few sacks that I think Rodgers would have been brought down on. Right, unless he mm-hmm. got the ball out, because there were some quick pressure plays, even when they're rushing four, that Love showed off that he's really athletic and and able to escape. It was getting really frustrating, actually. Um, you know, watching from the stands, it's like just grab him and pull him to the ground. But uh, those are the two things that I think you can kind of walk away from that are separate from the Rogers issue. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Also, that again, like there, maybe you can have also. I don't know how real this is. This is a, a relatively hot topic. I guess I don't know if it's real or not. But maybe you can carry a little bit of momentum from here. Like Frank Clark talked about in the post game um, that the 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 vibe is better right now in the locker room. Like that they're they're having more fun playing the way they are. Mm-hmm. I was talking to our friend Matt Derrick after the game. He said, you know, that might have been more Frank Clark. You know, doing a little bit of projecting there, which would be very understandable. Of he's having more fun and he's playing with more energy and a better vibe defensively. Like again, I I think some of that stuff can matter. Where you where you say, you know what, there's. If you are nothing but the the thing that everyone has circled for six weeks or whatever, and everyone in the world understands that you are a historically bad defense, to be able to make some of those crooked numbers look a little bit better, to to end up you know getting a good performance where you like you guys have said like you you do shut down Devonte Adams and you do limit their running game even though it is Jordan Love back yep. there. There's something to that 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 can I mean God. I don't know. I don't know if any of you guys noticed, but there were some Chiefs defenders on Twitter during that worst stretch and other social media platforms <laughs> saying some crazy bleep. I don't think that's going to happen this week. You know what I mean? Like, and so there's you, you can get something positive out of that. It's not it's not punching their ticket to to February just yet. But, you know, you can you can take positive things out of that. And also, I, I think it, on first watch, and Seth, I'll be really interested to see what, what you find whenever you look at whenever they just rushed for. But I, I don't really think there was anything negative from the defense across this game other than 
the man whose name I will not say again in this podcast if I can help myself on one particular play. And there were negative things against some other, again, not great quarterbacks in, in the Chiefs' recent past here. When I when I when I rewatched the game, um, and I wrote about this uh, for the Athletics, so hopefully again by the time people are listening to this, this will be out. But um, I'm really fascinated because I think it was around week five where I was just like, "Nah, nah, man, I'm out. Like mm-hmm. it's a wrap. Stop thinking about the pass rush. It's only there in optics. It is not there. It is not a real thing." Um, you know, I sort of wrote that, hey, this Chiefs defense is going to have to sort of um, get back to some level of respectability through their secondary, similar to what they did a year ago. And with a four-man rush, they actually are, like, productive. Mm. Um, they what? didn't they didn't blitz on every third down. So I want to make that clear. Even though uh, <laughs> Spagnuolo was diabolical in his, in his scheme... Uh, I think on Legereus Sneed's interception, that was not a that was not a blitz. That was a four man rush, mm. and mm-hmm. Sneed understood the round co- concept. But Jordan Love still felt pressure to get the ball out probably sooner than he should have. Like he didn't, and he didn't step through the throw. Like his mechanics were not uh, sound. Um, so they didn't blitz on every third down, but they got pressure. And I thought Melvin Ingram. Uh, who the Chiefs, you know, acquired last week before the trade deadline. I just thought he had a smart game plan in terms of like what he could do based on the scheme, not be too wild to where uh, you may leak out some things if the if the Packers run the ball against you. Um, and Jaron Reed played well. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. Jones has returned to uh, fully formed beast mode now. Uh, and... I don't know if you could tell this, Seth, in the building, but re-watching the game, the fastest first step in the game was from Frank Clark on either side of the line. Absolutely. Um he was he was playing with a lot of speed. Um and he also he still though utilized a couple of long arms mm-hmm. and had some like he he he's playing pretty well. Like and I don't mean like, you know, pretty well comparative. Like we've kind of graded him on a curve the last couple of years because it, it hasn't been great. Um, but he's playing well. And him and Reed are playing well together in mm-hmm. tandem. You're seeing some stunts and stuff. And like they, there's a reason why it looked like every throw Jordan Love was making, he was making under duress. Because even if there wasn't like an official pressure there, it was a step or two from it. Right. And those things matter. And, you know, you obviously get diminishing returns the farther away. Like, you know, a quarterback getting sacked is obviously the biggest, but a quarterback getting hit obviously affects him a ton. Getting pressured affects him a little less, but still affects him. You know, these things, there's diminishing returns there, but getting within a Nats hiccup of a pressure, that matters too. And, and you know, shrinking the pocket and making people uncomfortable. That's right, Briscoe. I said a Nats hiccup. Getting within a what? Uh, within a Nats hiccup because it's a cl- it would be small. It would be very small. No, I got it. I just don't think I'd ever heard that before. I was glad that you you got to me before. Seth can't see me right now, but he could feel the look on my face. I, everyone should know. Like we're on a Zoom call, but it's just audio only. And Seth must have felt the express. I felt like all of my features all squished in the middle of my face in sort of confusion. And Seth clearly knew that that was happening. 
No, I felt it. We've been we've been doing this together for a while. Yeah, and I was like, true. nope, nope, we're gonna circle back to that. But so anyway, you could see even on plays where they didn't have a quote unquote pressure, there was pressure. If that makes sense, right? Yep. You've got that that pocket crushing and collapsing. And even if you don't get close enough to where any one guy could get charted with a pressure, you might still have a guy who might get charted with a win. Right to where and quarterbacks see that, so you got to get the ball out faster. So there's not an official pressure, but you're so close to one. And there were a lot of snaps like that. Um, on not just on Sneed's pick, I think it was um, Reed who was starting to loop around, and there was a blocker there, but Reed was um helping direct him right towards Love, and then on the other pass that Sneed got his head around and knocked down, there was pressure on him there too. And so that was throughout the day. And Ingram looked good. I mean, he didn't have a ton of pass rush snaps. Um, I think he only had like 11 or 12 or something like that. Um, but he he looked like he can contribute. And it would be really funny if adding one more competent pass rusher really was kind of that straw that broke the camel's back. But the, the biggest thing is really Jones is a, a decent to good edge rusher, but he's just a monster on the interior, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, so that, so now you've gotten a, you know, a hundred percent upgrade over what you were getting there. Yeah. And, and, and the, then, and the matchups favorite the chiefs too, because uh, Royce Newman is their right guard for the Packers. He's a rookie and yeah. Royce, there's no, just he, no way, there's just no way to prepare yeah. for Chris Jones. It, it was so bad. And there were, there were a couple snaps where they were like trying, I watched mm-hmm. him fight through three blockers on one. Like Jones was, he was, uh, he was doing stuff. Um, it was bad, but so you, you, you get that big upgrade there and you bring in Ingram who I think from the edge can be about as consistent as Jones, maybe not quite as, as good as a pure rusher, but he's good in his own right. So you, you lose that, you know, that fear they had that they wouldn't have another good edge rusher. Um, but the biggest thing is the, the difference being if Jones or Jones Clark playing really well. Suddenly, you've removed that place. And I think we talked about this last week. If I was on the show, even who knows <laughs> these days, um, where we talked about the fact that, like, with Melvin Ingram, if he's your third best pass rusher, you're in a really good spot. If he's your second best pass rusher, you're a little more like, nah. and that that's a big deal. It's the same with like receivers and that kind of stuff. It's really a sum of the parts, and. With Clark playing the way he was, and he was getting great jumps at the snap, and not just timing the snap count well, but his first step looks more explosive than it has in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so, and he's also playing with strength too. And so, it, it's suddenly you you get this situation where the pass rush looks completely different, and then suddenly Jaron Reed looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. It's so it's interesting to watch. It'll be it'll be they'll know against Carr. Because, mm. because now now Gruden's not there anymore, and I think Gruden has had Spagnolo's number. Um, like last year, they 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 were not getting any pressure with blitzes against the Raiders last year, and that mattered a lot. But they also weren't getting a ton of pressure with just their front four. So if they can pressure Carr, who has diced them recently. I think that's going to be a really good because Derek Carr is a completely different quarterback when he's pressured. Yeah, and statistically, before we move on here, um, the Chiefs are now back, getting back towards the middle of the pack, which is like a real thing. Like, I I cannot stress that enough. Uh, Before the Giants game, the Chiefs were dead last in sacks with eight. Um, They were tied for 
second in the league with just 73 pressures. In these last two games against the Giants, who didn't have a lot of skill position players, and against the Packers, who did not have their starting quarterback, um, the Chiefs had 27 pressures. This is based on pro football focus along with true media. Um, they are 11th in the league with four sacks, um, and they are 8th in the league with 12 hits on the quarterback. So hmm. if you could get 12 hits in a two-game span uh, on whoever the quarterback is, that that's, that is a sizable success that will impact and can influence the outcome of the game, which, of course, is, has occurred here. But um, we may see, and I think for Steve Spagnuolo, whether you blitz Derek Carr more, obviously I w- will assume he would blitz Derek Carr a little less than Jordan Love, but, like, no matter how you use the blitz, at least there could be some level of, like, trust and reliability to a four-man rush of Clark, Jones, Reed, and Ingram uh, to where – they can get pressure, and maybe the maybe the benchmark, the turning point, uh, is that game against the Giants on Monday night. Is there anything else that either of you have to say about the defense? No. Um, add Tershawn Wharton into that mix for the pass rush uh, rotation. Yeah, I'm just talking yeah. about the starters, but yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And and that- by the way, Derek Nadi. Had a sack in this two in this he two game did. stretch. Yeah. In this two game stretch. Oh, also, hey, linebackers. You know who played the most snaps? Willie Gay Jr. Yep, it's a big deal because Willie Gay Jr. I wrote about this last week at the Chief of the North newsletter, Minnesota Chiefs fan dot God dang it! Every single time. Oh, jeepers! Um, they jeepers. Gay has been. <laughs> Seth, Seth, you were Seth, you were within a fly's fart of getting that URL right. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, so with Willie Gay Jr. has been the best linebacker in Kansas City and the most well-rounded. I personally think he's been the best against the run as well as against the pass. I know a lot of people want to talk about Nick Bolton, and they're, they're really good things Bolton has done. Mm-hmm. But I think Willie Gay Jr. has been more impressive in all facets of the game. His, his range, his instincts and coverage. He should be the linebacker who's on the field the most. And it was nice to see them moving towards that. Although it's a little weird that like he was at like 60-some-odd percent, and then like Bolton... Hitchens and Neiman were all like around 40%. And, and we, yeah. we could talk about that at well, a certain point. Not today, we won't. But but that it, it's progress. It's yes. progress. It's yes. better than what I I really expected it to go like right back to like Bolton barely playing and Neiman playing more than gay. And so it's progress, and that's really good to see. That's everybody take a deep breath. And let's talk about the offense. Strap in, kids. All Strap right. it, everybody. Patrick Mahomes averaged four and a half yards per uh, per pass, uh, 166 yards passing for Patrick Mahomes. Nothing real. The first drive was working excellently. Um, by the end of it all, even the running game, which which had some situationally some successful plays, and uh, but but the final the final stat line wasn't very impressive there either. We saw a couple times the Packers played zone and Travis Kelsey was wide open over the middle. He ended up leading the team in receiving with five catches for 68 yards, which is not usually what that first line of the uh, 
of the, of the Chiefs receiving box score looks like. And um, also, there wasn't much to be shared amongst everyone else because, as I said, Patrick Mahomes threw for 166 yards, which was fewer than Jordan Love's 190. Not the not the quarterback, um, not not the high flying quarterback duel that we thought it was going to be at this time a week ago on either side. But the Chiefs at least had their actual starting quarterback playing. Walk me through what you guys saw from the offense yesterday. I want to start here. And this is a Nate Taylor athletic analytics statistic. Are you ready? I am I am on the edge of my seat. Okay, we just crunched the numbers here in the Nate Taylor department of the athletic. <laughs> um I have covered this team for four seasons. Obviously starting in 2018, I have seen almost every Patrick Mahomes start in person. The only one I've missed was in Denver in week 17, 2017. Mm. I can assure you fellas and our listeners, it took me until the 27th paragraph to mention Patrick Mahomes' name in my game story. That has, that has never happened. 27 paragraph. Um... By the way, hope you read the story and enjoyed it. Oh, or learned something. But that in lies the problem. As I wrote, Patrick Mahomes is supposed to be the Chiefs' greatest advantage. And he wasn't against the Packers. Now, do the Packers have a legitimately good defense? Yes. Did Patrick Mahomes not turn the football? No, he did not. Did Patrick Mahomes do just enough in the first drive of the game and the last drive of the game? Yes. Outside of that, I'm either wanting to be too lenient on the quarterback and think of everybody else, <coughs> and other times I'm I'm left thinking the quarterback needs to do more regardless of the circumstances, teammates, opponents surrounding him. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, so I have a bit of a take on Mahomes. Um, it's, it's always nice watching live because you can see the whole field yes. as opposed to the broadcast. And so I have a little better idea what I'm going to see um, I actually, I didn't, because I was on the road, I didn't do my, I didn't publish my weekly charting of Mahomes against the Giants, where what I found was he didn't play well, but he didn't play as badly as he played against the Titans, which is important. That like tracks, in ter- yeah. In terms of it, the, the, the Chiefs receivers weren't quite as open. He didn't miss quite as many. He still didn't play well. Um, and again, it wasn't not well for him. It just wasn't, he didn't play well. I, I'm going to see what the charting shows me when I really look at each snap. I don't think he played nearly as bad as he did against the Titans or the Giants. Um, He still had some bad snaps, but he looked a lot more chill in the pocket, which to be fair, the Packers pass rush primarily is a bunch of power guys. And that just does not cut it against the Chiefs offensive line. Like if you're going to get pressure on Mahomes, 
generally speaking, unless like you're going to end up in a good one-on-one matchup, you know, against Andrew Wiley, you know, stuff like that. And that was just a couple of bad snaps. And he's their third string tackle. Like that's going to happen. But mm-hmm. you, you're not going to generally get home against the Chiefs, like rushing with power. You know what I mean? Like Orlando Brown's not out here like, oh, I'm really afraid of this dude's bull rush. It's like, no. (laughs) What he's like is like, well, no, I am a mountain of a human. I'm a literal bull, so it's fine. (laughs) I can handle a bull rush. (laughs) I am an actual bull. I really like that. And that's why so few players try that against him, even guys that usually win with power. Uh, One of my favorite games against him, watching him last year was against Carl Lawson, who almost always wins against everyone with power because that dude is a powder keg. And even he was just trying to beat Brown with speed rushes over and over again. Because it's like this guy, I mean, he's huge. Mm-hmm. And like you can't really figure that out until you like see him standing next to like other massive humans. Mm-hmm. Like he's standing like next to Lucas Niang, who is a huge guy. And Lucas Niang's like, oh, he looks like kind of undersized. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so that was part of it. But overall, the timing looked off. Right. But I didn't see a lot of like genuinely missed receivers. Now there was that one play that I know we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. that, that there's a lot of opinions that are kind of going, he saw Kelsey. It's not that he didn't see. I've got a take on that. Well, I have, I literally have that play open in my browser right now. We'll come back to that when I promise. So, so we'll come back because that, that's a little different because honestly, I, it felt like Hardman, I, that that was pass interference, but what are you going to do? You can't always count on that getting called. He maybe could have taken a little better angle on it. He pulled up on it a bit. So I get it. It's first down, all that. But anyway, I didn't see, and I'm going to see if the film shows me something differently when I'm really, really watching it. It's not like there were a lot of open receivers that he was just missing or reads that he wasn't making like he was against the Titans, where he was like hesitant and not making those quick throws and, and kind of passing up on guys that he should have seen. I didn't see as much as that against the Packers. You know what I saw? A really, really good linebacker group. That was in coverage all over the place, just beating the daylights out of Kelsey yep. on some snaps. And and that's that's teams are being allowed to play him that way, and that's they're gonna have to figure that out. They actually accounted for that. I, I really like what they did moving him into the slot more to make it to where he's got a little more free room to roam. Um but I I my hot take for right now, and I'm gonna write about why their drives failed. The offense as a whole did not play super well. Mm-hmm. Um, the offensive line overall did pretty well. But you had like just a few examples. So you can go with drops. I think they had at least three drives end with drops on third down that should have yes. been first downs. Yes. Two for Kelsey, one for Hardman. Um, and all three of those were really good reads and throws by Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a tough catch for Kelsey on one of them because maybe the ball came a split second early, but honestly, that's the play. But it, like, but, it's, with, but it still hit him in a place where you expect Kelsey to make that Well, catch. like in the numbers, like yeah. it like hit his body. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. As I wrote on as I wrote on Twitter, watching it from the press box, it's clear that Kelsey thinks the ball is coming to his outside shoulder, which will lead him into an opportunity to get yards after the catch. Instead, the ball's more closer to the inside of when he makes his break. And it's still there. It's just how you how you practice it, how you rep it, how it's supposed to be designed, where the quarterback's supposed to locate the ball. It all makes sense. But then, hey, uh, if you're a superstar tight end athlete, you know, you're supposed to adjust to the ball at least to secure the catch. And if you have to give up yards after the catch, um, then that's a, you know, that's a sacrifice. That's okay. 
And it's the same thing with McCole Hardman. And I know we're talking about Mahomes right now. But too often, McColl is thinking about yards after catch or where is the nearest defender. And it's easy to see this. Like, it's easy to spot this. Uh, everybody on the Packers knew it, and they let him know when he dropped the 32 ball because he's thinking, I got to get upfield, which is fine. But you already have the line to gain. You've already, like Mahomes yep. put it right on you. You can catch the ball and go out of bounds, and guess what? We get a whole new set of downs to work with. Um, I I get a little bit like defensive when people are like, "McCole Hartman is unplayable." I really can't argue in this. I, I have I don't I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of evidence at my disposal for McCole Hartman's uh, defense, but yes. To Seth's point, in a lot of ways, it's like Mahomes is looking for certain completions based on what he identifies pre-snap. And I thought the Chiefs did a good job of motioning people over. Hey, that looks like zone. Yep, that's zone. Okay, now I can do this. Here's where somebody's supposed to be. And, like, it's just, it's an utter mess at this point. And it's not all one player. Um, And I really feel like the coaching staff had a better game plan or get a better collection of plays against the Packers than against the Giants where it was very clear like ooh the Joes ain't getting open and they barely adjusted I think to the game to win it um in terms of play calling but I don't know Seth I I don't know Josh just Sometimes you need your quarterback to be superhuman. And also, your receivers to catch the ball. And for Andrew Wiley, God bless him, to not be put on an island all the time. Right. Mm. Well, and that's that's one thing to note, you know, if they wanna if they wanna protect Wiley. I've seen some I've seen some offensive linemen talk about I think Mitch Schwartz talked about this a little bit on Twitter, where he talked about the fact that a lot of tackles don't like um, chips yes. from running backs because it, it just kind of messes with with how they do things. And so one thing the Chiefs do is they'll have Kelsey release from close to the to the right tackle to provide a little protection because they got to worry about taking a shot from Kelsey, mm-hmm. but that slows him down in his route and makes him more vulnerable to getting beat up by linebackers. But so I mean, like you said, we we're talking about Mahomes here, and so Hardman's drop. He he's got the yips with his hands right now. You can see it. Like he he has less sure hands now than he did last year or the year before, and that's problematic. And it's tough to take him off the field because once he secures the ball, the man can move, and that that makes the it makes it kind of complicated. But man, he he could have had a couple of fumbles. He could have. It, it was just it was rough. So. The thing, the thing that with Mahomes, like he's the big. Once someone becomes the topic of conversation, it doesn't really matter what's actually happening, mm. right? And I feel like the Packers game is a good example of that, where when Mahomes thinks Hill is turning a certain direction and Hill turns the other direction and the ball skips short, everyone's like, "God, yeah, Mahomes is broken." It's like, um, no, that was a receiver quarterback miscommunication. It happens in literally every single game. Or when, or on a third down where where Hill slips, right? Yep. Uh, coming into an outbreaking route, and yep. the ball was there, and that's a first down. And you know what happens when you don't get a first down? You don't get three more cracks at it. 
right? And that happened multiple times to them on plays that were really out of his control. Now, I'm not saying he played great because normally we see Mahomes play so great that he overcomes all that, right? But I don't think he played really badly for him even. Because he didn't think, turn the ball over. Well, yeah, he didn't turn the ball over. <laughs> um, the the Hill misconnection in the fourth there, that deep shot, I put that more on Hill. Hill pulled up a little. And I don't know if he was. He looked a little gimpy heading back to the line. I personally think Hill's playing a little bit hurt, although then sometimes he still just turns on the super speed, so I don't know. But I, it's my hot take on that is that I've got a bunch of Chiefs fans still asking me if Mahomes is broken. I'm like, you know, guys, he actually played a lot better. And right now what we're seeing is what happens when a narrative takes hold. And now the narrative has taken hold that Patrick Mahomes is broken. I got Chiefs fans right now. I'm looking at a tweet from Chiefs fans saying, you know, I don't I don't know what evidence you have to say Mahomes is the best player in the league. And I'm like, well, you know, we've got three and a half years of evidence. It's like the pass is the pass. I don't know why you're talking about that. I'm like, what the what? Like the Bills we, lost to the Jags yesterday, Seth. They're worse than the Jags, all right? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. They're worse than the Jags. And that's the thing. It's like two or three weeks. And the problem is what we really have, in my opinion. And again, maybe I'll be eating crow. Maybe I'll write later on, you know, like, holy cow, he was way worse than I thought. But when I when you could see the coverage, the Packers generally did a pretty decent job. Um, and they also, not just drops, because that th- those are drive killers. And when you have drive killers, again, that ruins your chance to rack up more statistics so you end up passing for 166 yards, right? Imagine if even on any one of those drives, they had actually caught it. Well, now all of a sudden that raises him up to what? Like 190 yards? And they only get one more first down on each one. No, now they're up to, you know, 220 yards or whatever. And suddenly, are we still talking about it, right? And the other thing is there were multiple plays on short passes or other things that ended up kind of being close to drive killers where it looked like the Chiefs had a lot more room to work with. And there was just a really nice play made. Like Daryl Williams had a touchdown. And he just couldn't quite finish because the linebacker made a great, great play. Great yeah. play. Great tackle. Now, if I'm Williams, I don't know. He I don't think I don't think he wanted to risk the fumble. But like which, that, which that hey, thing. fair. Yeah, no, no, totally <laughs> fair. fair. But that's where like when people talk about Daryl Williams, who I who I respect, I think he stepped in and done a pretty good job. But that difference of 0.10 seconds of explosiveness between Daryl Williams and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, or even Derek Gore, that 0.10 seconds matter, or point yeah, that point one of a of a second that that matters that 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 nat's hiccup matters that nat's yeah, hiccup yeah. matters now, thank you now, and so now, now look here dan now look here you see what he does here see what he does here see what he does here <laughs> now, now look okay now he, he, we've, we've already given him the reception all right now i just no, want you to i just want you to put your body on the line for your teammates right do your 111s get them out of bounds okay not 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 maliciously but hard and aggressive okay now let's roll the tape one more time. Let's see it one more time. See, see how he does it. See how he 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 uses his upper body strength, but he's still driving his legs and the re- and the receiver out of the out of the field play. Okay. Yeah. So I just want I just want to I just want to uh, walk you through it one more time. Actually, Frank, can you can you roll that clip one more time? Can you roll it one more time? Now see his dis- see how disciplined he is and the angle there. Right. He's not using his hands high. He's using his hands up under. Oh, yeah, what was he trying to and do? He's driving through. He's driving through the receiver out of the field of play. Okay, now, 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 you're a veteran. You've been here before. We know that sometimes you just got tighten up, just tighten it up, just tighten up the screws, and that's all we're doing here. Okay, do you want to watch the clip one more time? 
Well, and you know, here's a here's an here's an interesting thing. Like to circle back to Sorensen for point two seconds. Well, how are we doing? How are we back <laughs> He was here so again? burned on that play is why it happened. Because he was so out of position, he couldn't even. And that linebacker was in position. But here, here's just an interesting thing. Let's say Daryl Williams makes a a one tenth of a second faster play there, because that's the NFL, right? Well, now Mahomes is to- thrown for two touchdowns, and the Chiefs win. You know, maybe twenty to seven, maybe mm-hmm. twenty to nothing, because maybe they panic more without you know with the lead being bigger. That seems perhaps likely, given how Love had played. Um, good athlete, made some good throws. Definitely panicked. It was definitely the moment was big. So this is going to be an interesting game to write about because what I'm probably what's probably going to happen. I'm just predicting it based on what I watched, seeing the whole field. I'm probably going to be writing about, you know, this was really more of a, this wasn't really Mahomes' fault. Um, he played fine overall. He didn't play great, but he played fine, and the rest of the team was kind of blah. And I'm going to have a million people telling me that I am now a Patrick Mahomes apologist, and it's going to make me want to turn off Twitter and just crawl into a hole and not think about anything for a while. Because what we're seeing with him is a narrative taking hold. And what it's going to take to break that narrative will be like multiple incredible games. It won't be enough for him to just play like himself again. Um, well, that would be enough over over a course of time. But right. that's what you're seeing there, with, in my opinion, is once a narrative takes hold, it's incredibly tough to shake that narrative. All right, Josh. We've kept the people waiting. Your your take on yes, Kelsey's open fifteen yards downfield. Yes, but what yes. about McCall Hartman? So two two things here, and this will just take me a spider's sneeze. But uh, one <laughs> thing you you mentioned McCall Hardman earlier, Nate, and I just because you say whenever you get defensive, and people say he's unplayable. Here's I just like to say this just so people can know the team they're watching. McCall Hardman next year, his cap hit will be like a million point six, something like that. His last year of his rookie deal. If the Chiefs didn't have McCole Hardman, they would be spending almost exactly that same amount of money on Tavon Austin or someone like them. Like that, there's going to be one of those guys in this organization forever, which is fine. Like a, a dude who is super fast, who can run through the backfield and do some little, some little herky jerky stuff that tries to freak out the defense and then can take a pop pass or a handoff, but can't be trusted beyond the line of scrimmage. It's disappointing that that is that appears to be as far as, as Hardman is going to get as a as a player, as a piece of this offense. But right now, he looks like the third Pokemon evolution of uh, of Dexter McCluster to, uh, to, to, to D'Anthony Thomas to mm-hmm. him. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. again, his ceiling should have been higher than that. He should have ended up at a better place than that. But th- this team's always going to have a guy like it on the roster, I, I have to imagine, because it allows you to try to do some pre-snap stuff that obviously Andy Reid loves. Anyway... I want to, so let's let's talk about that play. I, I feel like I get to take the test with the notes now because Mahomes talked about it uh, after the game. But I, I tweeted something along these lines immediately after, and we've talked some since then. If if you think that that is a shot that Patrick Mahomes should pass up on first down, I do think you might be a little bit too deep in the mud at this point of what these last few games have looked like. Because that's been the thing that they're missing, and like rewatch the play. Hard. This isn't. This isn't a, a jump ball, right? No. One Mm-mm. of you guys mentioned earlier, like Hardman had a pretty good angle here, and I don't. I don't know if Mahomes missed or if, if Hardman had the wrong angle there at the end. And frankly, I don't really care. 
it was not a dangerous pass in terms of this is this is 50% pick, 50% touchdown. It might have been a 30 or 40% chance of completion, but it was probably either going to be Hardman catching it or it going, you know, beyond them or missing in one way or another. This was on first down, and you guys have already mentioned the plays that followed it, but I want to make sure everyone remembers the sequence. It's first down right after hitting Tyreek Hill over the middle, basically exactly 10 yards down the field. Get yourself a free first down on first down. Then there's that play where Mahomes passes up a free 10, 12, 15, whatever it was there for Travis Kelsey and takes that deep shot. On second down, Mahomes goes to, tra- to Kelsey. He drops it. Yep. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a perfect pass. Travis Kelsey catches that. Ask Travis Kelsey if he wanted to catch that. On third down, Mahomes has Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill slips. If either of those two plays go differently, if either of those two plays are in fact completed, we're not talking about this play on first down. Like it, it ended up two plays later, they punted. And so everyone, went, man, he had Kelsey there. He took that deep shot. I have no issue with Patrick Mahomes testing to see if the deep shot is there. It was very close to being there on this play, uh, close enough to justify taking that shot. And look, if, if he did that, if he takes the deep shot nine out of 10 times there, then, uh, you know, in, in, in 10 similar scenarios, if he only takes the free pass once and ultimately the offense isn't moving the ball at all because he's just playing, you know, four verts in, in Madden and just going downfield no matter what, <laughs> then that becomes a problem. But that's not what everyone who's watched the last few games from this offense knows. That's not where they're at right now. Like that shot was the thing most missing from the Giants game. Seth, you mentioned like it wasn't it was not as bad a performance as the Titans game, which makes sense because he was doing a ton of stuff behind and at the line of scrimmage. Because that's what was available. That was also one of the ways you could try to make defenses pay for having their safeties 25 yards back and having their linebackers backpedaling. Get yourself a little screen pass to McCole Hardman. He gets into some space. Maybe you can do a little bit of damage. It's not just handing the ball off there. But uh, feel free if either of you guys disagree on this front. But if if Patrick Mahomes has a chance at uh, a receiver who is faster than the defensive backs who are covering him, he has a chance for a 60-yard touchdown, and it is a decent shot. I'm totally okay with him passing up, moving the chains once a game, maybe twice a game to take that shot. More often than not, he will take the short, mid, the, the middle range route. On this one, he went for Hardman because this offense hasn't had a really explosive play. And honestly, I could not tell you that, how long. And that's and that's the biggest issue. Um, is the offense used to thrive on knowing a big play was coming. And yeah. now they're, I think Mahomes, we've talked about pressing before. We've talked about like some hesitation. I don't get the sense in that, uh, the sense with that, with this game. I just feel like, again, I feel like the coaches have schemed up some things pretty well for him to take some of these shots. Uh, it's just, they aren't connecting. And I think Mahomes, it's, it's just a 13 yard completion, but I think, Mentally and emotionally, him going through the right reads, him staying true to what the play call is, is not there. Okay, fine. My offensive linemen have done a wonderful job, and that obviously includes Andrew Wiley in a five-man pressure, which, again, why are you blitzing Patrick Mahomes on third in the mm-hmm. game? Yeah, why, that, why, that was why weird. You, why, why you, why you, what, what? 
if the Packers don't get the one seed, because it is. Anyway, um, <laughs> on a five-man pressure, the offensive line does a wonderful job. Okay. Now we got to get creative. Now we got to get back to what we do best. And as I wrote in the athletic, the ball traveled 25 yards in the air because obviously he has the backup. He has to extend the play out and give, you know, Tyreek basically a chance to run a third route, which is just wild to me. It's not the secondary route. It's the third route. Um, And he hits him. And he lets out all that emotion where he's, you know, expletive this and pumping, you know, the right fist. Like, he's in such an odd place because he knows he's got to play within the structure of the offense because the defense has sort of dictated that to him. And you're not getting the explosive plays that you normally would get. So, I don't want to turn the ball over because possessions are being squeezed to some degree. Um, and I I wonder if him at least going through the mechanics, going through the, the read the correct way, and then building off that and, you know, assume, you know, essentially, you know, sealing the victory for the Chiefs, how much that will do for him. Because to Seth's point earlier, um, his mechanics were better. He at least understood, hey, when no one's when no one's open, just get the ball out. Don't take the sack. Don't make it, you know, a real interceptable pass. There was only it, it's it's so odd because uh I want everyone to rewatch the last drive before halftime, which honestly kind of won the Chiefs the game. <laughs> like mm. it's less than a minute left. Uh they they do have their timeouts, the Chiefs do. Um and Mahomes Steps up in the pocket, which y'all have wanted him to do, and throws a gorgeous pass to Travis Kelsey. That was awesome. That gets the team in field goal range, basically. And then on the next pass, <laughs> as Seth mentioned, maybe Tyreek Hill exits right instead of exits left. Like, Kevin King probably should have intercepted the pass, but like... And that's the offense in a nutshell to me. It's just... One really good play. Okay, momentum's supposed to build. Play calling seems to be back on level to expectations. And then what What was that? <laughs> now, credit Harrison Bucker for making a 55-yard field goal on a windy, gusty day in Arrowhead uh, in the late afternoon. Um, but if you're a Chiefs fan, you hope that Mahomes letting that emotion out, getting that release feeling what that felt like again will, uh, you know, manifest itself in following weeks, most notably against the Raiders in primetime. But I'm also aware of the idea that it's going to take, it might take them weeks to, again, don't turn the ball over, do the simple stuff, and maybe they'll hit a deep shot eventually because the odds say it has to happen at some point. Um, but it's weird. It's like Mahomes is the big star, but he's not, he's not solely the reason the offense is playing poorly. Uh, by the way, Darrell Williams, if you're going to protect the football and not get in the end zone, Hey, that's okay. Hey, we'll take it. Hey, Andy Reid and Eric Benny, they trust you. All right. Fourth and goal from the one baby line it up. Why are you falling off sides or false starting? Oh gosh. Why, why are you doing that? 
That was that was frustrating. And there were a few moments from from uh, Williams and Gore had one too, where on one of their fourth and shorts, I think this one was Gore though. Yeah, where he he got a little cute with Tried what to he was going to. Yep. yep, he tried to bounce it, and that was a no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Follow Creed and Trey because they mm-hmm. had it. They they had what they needed there, and that's another thing. Like, so one thing I'm going to be writing about is why did these drives fail? And so you know, you look at like you can't look at just one play, but I think if you look at like second and third down, because really, you know, if even if it's second and ten or whatever, you got to be able to overcome that. And there were a lot of plays like that that got left on the field just a little bit. And some of which green Bay just made great plays because there were multiple runs that looked like they were going to go for 10 or 15 or more. And, um, Campbell who I, I haven't watched a ton of the Packers, but, uh, their linebacker Campbell is good. Um, that dude moves. So those are all things to take into account. Like you said, this isn't Mahomes is their best player. But that doesn't mean that, you know, quarterbacks aren't the end-all, be-all. They are the most important thing by far. But if enough other things go wrong on critical snaps, you're going to have an offense that doesn't produce, barring a quarterback playing just out of this world. And if a quarterback just plays decently, it's not going to be enough. So I, I would I would, I would, would echo what you said, Nate. People really should go back and rewatch some of these snaps and just take a look at what was really happening. And and, um, and, let, and let's let's play a hypothetical here, Josh. If they don't convert that third and ten, do people remember that Andrew Wiley false started to go no. from third and five to third and ten? No, none of that stuff all comes out in the wash immediately. Like that, but, con- but, it's context, that, Nate. Who needs that? But that's the that's a teammate of Patrick Mahomes putting Patrick Mahomes in a tougher situation alongside yep. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, yep. McCole Hardman. Like it's just. It's so hard. It's just, it's so hard to play in this sport, which I think I need to remind myself all the time, even, mm-hmm. even, even as we go through the, the film study with our, with our guy Sorensen, like playing in this league is very, very hard. Um, as Seth said, when eight dudes is like, like there's no, there's no equivalent. I, at least I hope there's no equivalent in your job, ma'am or sir, where eight people are running directly at you. <laughs> I just, I just hope that isn't. I just hope that's not how you live in from nine to five or whatever it is. Um, but it, it's, it is, it's just, it's hilarious to know that this game is incredibly hard. The offense is not good, and the blame is really balanced to where we all want the offense to be more balanced. Also, hey, Eric Pietemi, uh look, I know you may not have full authority. But when you get seven yards on first down, I might want to run the ball again. Just, oh, God. Just, just, just might want to just, uh, you know. Yeah. And cool. look, third, not- look, third and twos are fine. But, like, what if you never got to third and two? Because <laughs> you got seven yards on the previous snap. Running power, run blocking, which, again, as we've all explained, pretty good for this offensive line. Like, mm-hmm. pretty, you know, so I just, the blame is I think we finally got to the conclusion, sadly. Uh, but I think the blame is everywhere. It's not Mahomes, even though that's obviously the the front door to the house of, you know. I'm not saying it's a hoarder situation, but we need a cleaning crew. 
Uh, well, guys, we're already a, a real Beatles burp uh, over an hour here, so we need to need to put a bow on this thing. I think I'm also out of bug uh, flatulence sort of mm. based references. So um, let's 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 put a bow on it. Anything else that either of you guys wanted to get to? We haven't yet. Uh, Nate, you've already got obviously your post game piece up on the Athletic. I know you'll have another one that probably coming out around by the, the time this podcast is published. I would think. Uh, maybe tomorrow morning. I'm not sure. Uh, and then Seth, you'll have something in the newsletter very shortly as well. I would imagine. Uh, yeah, in the next in the next day or so. I, I'm always a little behind when I go to games live, and so I might only write one or two things this week. But uh, it's definitely going to be something on the offense to talk about <laughs> what actually happened. Did you just say I like that? I said unacceptable. <laughs> oh, I thought you said I like that. I was like, whoa, I'm what an unexpected stray from nothing. Yeah. <sighs> I I'm just for the record, try not to be on my Kirk Cousins bleep if ever possible. It's just not a place I want to be. That's a stray for Kirk Cousins, which I apparently have one of those locked up every once a month or so. Mm. I uh, I slander Kirk Cousins. So uh, you can follow Seth on Twitter at MN Real MN Chiefs Fan. You can check out mnchiefsfan.substack.com for the newsletter. Nate is at by Nate Taylor with all of the work coming out on The Athletic. That's also where we tweet out things like when there's a new podcast episode, where there's a new story or whatever. I'm at JB Briscoe. And also, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, by the way, you really should, because pretty much every single time we will see the podcast hit our feeds, at least I see the podcast hit my feed, and they go, oh, yeah, I need to tweet about that. So if you want to get there first, that's that's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Unless you guys have anything else, uh, Seth, if you've got anything you'd like to touch on again from being in, in Kansas City or whatever, feel free. Nate, I'll let you wrap it up from there. Uh, just thanks to everyone who said hi, uh, and came up and, and said very kind things and it's, the like it's hundreds, if not thousands yeah. of people. Yes. The, the, the scores of <laughs> the, the throng of adoring fans of, of, of Josh and Nate who want to know what they're really <laughs> like are, are quite tough to fend off. No, I, I just really appreciate everyone who, who subscribes and who listens, and, and it, it, people were very kind, as always. And so thanks for that. Uh, it was another wonderful trip, Kansas City. Hopefully I make it back sometime soon. I just want to give Chiefs fans a perspective here. Yes, your team is 5-4. and four. Yes, they haven't lived up to the expectations you had, especially when the season began. Um. The Buffalo Bills are supposed to be the top team in the AFC. They are not. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, turns out Tennessee, maybe they're good. Like, I, I, look, Cleveland just got rid of a receiver that they honestly should have kept and like tried to figure it out with. The Atlanta Falcons are in the playoffs right now at four and four. Okay. The Saints don't have a quarterback. The Cowboys, I don't really know. Okay. What the hell has gotten into the Cardinals? Um, is Kyle Shanahan gonna get fired? Cause dog. <laughs> and hey, at least your quarterback is healthy. At least he's not Russell Wilson, who I don't know if he's coming back too soon. But like, chill, my guy. You're three and five, and like, <laughs> I get it, okay. But just chill, okay. I, this is a weird season, okay. Do you think the New England Patriots are good? I don't think the New England Patriots are good. Do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers are good? I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers are good. They're ahead of you in the standings right now. So, despite everything that's going on in Kansas City, I ain't confident about any of these teams, y'all. And 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 take some take some measure of pleasure in knowing that 
everybody else has problems too. And quietly, if the quarterback figures it out, if the offense stays healthy and, you know, catches the football, doesn't really turn it over, and the defense continues on a on a nice trajectory, uh, the division's in play. And maybe this team is not in a jumbled AFC West. With that said, I don't trust any of these teams. And that's fine because you have gone back and forth yourself, ma'am, sir, about how you trust this Kansas City Chiefs team. So the AFC is wide open. And I don't trust anybody. And I'm telling you, don't trust anybody either. Because guess what? Tampa Bay's probably going to lose next week somehow. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, thanks for being with us for whew, too many minutes. But um, is there is there pleasure in saying that I don't trust anybody? But that's my point. Don't, don't trust any of these teams.